Colossians chapter 3, we're in part 6 of our series as we walk through the book of Colossians, this uh, prison epistle that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae as he was awaiting uh, trial before Caesar because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And in the first century, it was an epistle. In the 21st century, it be considered a blog. And so we're going to kind of begin in chapter 3, verse 12. We're just going to kind of walk through that. Uh, if you're a guest today, we welcome you. And if you want to, you can also follow along. Uh, this message on the back side of the bulletin that you received when you came in. There's some notes that are there, and there should be a pen in the seat pocket in front of you to uh, help you take some notes. Last week, we talked about taking off dirty clothes and uh, taking off that old life, that sin life. And, uh, uh, and, and, and then what should we wear? That's what we're talking about this weekend. Should we be naked? No. That's good. Amen. And, um, and, but, but we should put on new clothes. And, uh, and, I, and I love the way the message translation says this, that we should open up the wardrobe of God and be clothed in the wardrobe of God. There's a couple things I, I want to make reference of, and this is the first uh, thing in your notes. At verse 12, it begins with the word, therefore. And whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you should stop and ask the question, what is it therefore? Uh, because it's always giving you insight into the meaning of the passage. So anytime you see a therefore, stop and ask the question, what's it there for? Because what it's saying is, is that there's been a story, there's been an account, there's been information that's been given to you up to this point, and then the writer will pause, and this is very typically of, of, of the Pauline epistles, and he will write and say, therefore, and then he will give you basically action points. And so it's kind of like, hey, here's the bottom line. Hey, here's what we're trying to do. Hey, here's what all this means. Here's kind of the so what of what's being said. And so uh, this weekend, verse 12, where we kind of um, come to, it's a therefore. And so we're going to ask the question, what's it there for? And it's going to tell us. Verse 12 also says to clothe or to put on. Depends on what translation of the Bible that you have. To clothe yourself or to put on. And he's talking about church fashion and not so much about how we dress, but how we act towards one another. And he's going to give us the, the how we should act as one another now uh, and towards one another. And the focus of this, of this part of this, of this epistle is focusing on the inside of the church. Uh, he's not focusing on externals. He's not focusing on how you treat the world. How do you treat people outside the church? How do you love people into the kingdom? How do you live your life? You know, unto God, and, and he's, he's not talking about what's happening inside your home or inside your marriage or in other relationships. Or, he's speaking as a group of believers what should be happening in our lives. And uh, so that's really what we're going to, to focus in on today. So the first thing he says that we should clothe ourselves with is caring, that we should be caring towards one another. And we're going to get to this in just a second, that we should clothe ourselves with caring. Again, this is the whole wardrobe of God, and it says it in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Clothe yourself with caring. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now, these are all attitudes of, how, of, of care, of how we should respond to one another. And again, I'm going to put all this in the context of Life Church, but this would apply to any local church. These are the attitudes of how we should interact with each other, of, of how when we bump into each other and how we see each other and how we treat each other and what we think about each other, this is how it should be. The, the first that he says, is, and this isn't in your notes, this is just kind of extra, but under that heading of caring, is that we should be compassionate towards one another. The word compassionate means to be vulnerable or not indifferent to suffering. To be vulnerable, to be open, guard down, or not becoming indifferent to suffering. And the world that we live in, it's very easy for us to... Um, 
put our, our defenses up, to put our guard up, to become very indifferent, to be almost become kind of uh, uh, brazen in a way, to kind of almost become insulated or isolated. Because we're, 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 we, we live in such a fast-paced world, there's so much stuff going on. We, we have a hard time just taking care of ourselves, less, much less being mindful of someone else. But Paul says, look, when you're dealing with other people, with inside the church, you should be compassionate. You should be vulnerable. You should be uh, not indifferent to their suffering. And, and that, that means this. You know, as you, as you come into the parking lot at church for the weekend, and you see a single parent, and they're trying to wrangle with not just the kids, but with all the stuff that comes with kids. How I many you know that? It's not the children. It's all the stuff. Amen? Hallelujah. And so all the stuff. And so you... You stop and you go and you help them. Hey, how can I help you? Can I carry something? Can I carry a child? Can I carry a stroller? Can I carry a bag? What can I do? Let me get the door for you. Let me help you. Because I don't want to become indifferent to your suffering. Uh, somebody, you know, it's, it's uh, pouring rain and maybe there's an elderly individual and they're going out to get their car. I tell you what, let me, get, let me get your car for you. If you'll give me your keys, I'll pull it up to the door. I'll go get wet. I'll go... Because I don't want to become indifferent to your suffering. Maybe you, maybe you see a family and you just go, you know what? The, I, the children just look threadbare and they just look like that probably that there really hasn't, you know, they probably need some help. And maybe there's some things that are going on. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Maybe it's just something that you've observed. And so you go and you don't become indifferent to their suffering. You don't become uncompassionate or lack of vulnerability. But instead you go and you meet that need anonymously. It always amazes me sometimes when people call the church and go, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, I was at church this last week and I saw a single mom and her car's really breaking down and I think somebody needs to do something about it. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you, that somebody is you. Because <laughs> we don't sit around as a staff all week long just waiting for the phone to ring of, here I am to save the day. We, we're not supermen. And Paul's not talking to, hey, pastor, hey, leader, hey, deacon. He talks about, he talks to the pastor, to the deacon, to the elder, and, 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 and other ones of these pastoral epistles that he writes. But in this particular case, he's talking to the church. If you need someone in need, if you see someone in that, 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 don't become indifferent to their suffering. Step in there and do something. Don't call somebody. Don't say somebody should do something. And don't be the spiritual person to go, oh, bless God, I'm going to pray for you, brother. No. Open your wallet. Open your heart. Open your life. Open your time and help someone. And again, we're not talking about outside the church. We're talking inside the church. This past week, I was a couple of days in Florida at a conference, and uh, on Friday, um, I was there, and we got to meet uh, uh, former President uh, uh, George uh, Bush and Laura Bush, and uh, he's sitting in the seat in front of me, and, and uh, just right there, and it was kind of a cool deal, but what was amazing to me was all the pomp and circumstance of Secret Service and all the detail and everything that went on, and I had to have two forms of identification to get in, they had to clear my name through a list, I had to, and it was one of those deals too where I have never been so glad to get back to the north in all of my life, the humidity was like, oh, and, and it was raining, there was, uh, during these times of the year, the rain is not passing through, it just sits, and it was pouring, and I'm in a suit, which I don't do really well with, and then, and, and it's pouring rain, and it's all this junk that we've got to go through. And then they're checking the building, re-clearing the building. You can't bring your cell phone in. You can't bring a bag in. You can't bring anything in. All this stuff that's going on. And they're just kind of, and, and you're doing this. It was a cool experience, but you know, it's like whatever. And, and, then, and then as soon as it was over, I had to jet to the airport, to Orlando, to get a direct flight out. And, when, and of course, as soon as I get there, um, I'm, I'm getting there. And the lady's like, hey, you're the last one to check in. Thanks, I really needed that. And if you weren't here nine minutes late, then we wouldn't be able to check your bag. 
Really, why do I need to know that information? I'm on time, just check it. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking that, right? And I travel quite a bit, and, and I'm pretty, and typically when I travel, though, I'm, I'm a flip-flop, shorts, and a sweatshirt, and a ball cap kind of a guy, because I'm going to get through security. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to sit down somewhere, get, me, get myself something to eat, drink, whatever. Uh, the Marquette game was on. I'm trying to get there to watch and see what's going on. And so I'm just like, my mind, that whole day was like, what? You know, have you ever had those days? You're just like high-octane. You're just like this. And again, when you fly through Orlando, I mean, it's kids are everywhere. It's Disney, right? So it sounds like McDonald's on Saturday afternoon in the playroom. The place that I, invite, I, I totally, you know, try not to. Yeah, kids, go in there, have fun. I'll be back over here by the bathrooms. Because, you know, it's like, whoa! And, I mean, it's just nuts. And you're going through security. You're trying to get in there to get your flight, to do all this kind of stuff. It's just, I'm tired. It's been several days. I haven't slept well. Uh, I've had meetings. I'm just, I'm just ready to get home, get to see my wife, see my kids, and get to bed. In front of me, there are people that apparently haven't traveled a lot, and, and it's just stuff everywhere and people and all this. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. And that, but I notice a woman who is, who is getting ready to put her stuff onto the, the, the conveyor belt. And basically, I mean, honestly, sometimes you just want to go, look, would you like me to strip down naked? It's not going to be pleasurable for you, but if that's what you need me to do, I'll just walk through, right? Because, I mean, you have to just take all this stuff off. And this poor lady, she, this little, she's just a little petite mom, and she's just, I mean, a little thing. And, and she's got I, I, like six kids. I mean, these kids were like, man, they, they were like cats. They were everywhere. I mean, on everything. And they all have bags and bags. And I mean, there was just, she had bins. Not two bins. Not, I mean, bins. She had, the whole thing was all taken up. And I mean, and, and I just, and I'm looking, and I feel sorry for her because I realize there's no guy, there's no other person traveling with her. She doesn't have, have a husband with her or whatever. And she's there. She's got these kids. I'm thinking, I would be just, ah. And, uh, and so, and I'm, and I'm finding myself, I'm six people back, and I'm finding myself trying to help coach. Like, why don't you, and, and, and these people are griping at this lady and not helping her. And it just, all of a sudden, it was, I don't, I just start pushing people out of the way. Excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. I get right to the front. I looked at her, she goes, I'm so sorry. I said, no, I'm here to help. You just take care of them, and I'll get the bags on and get on through. So I'm putting all the bags up. And even the security guys are just like, please put your bags on the car. Lady, lady, don't leave any car. I mean, I'm just going, dude, look at this poor woman. Have some compassion. And people are just, and of course, when I turn around to go back to my place in line, uh, they thought I was trying to cut, and I was just like going, really? You don't want to start this right now. (laughs) I'm tired, and I'm wet. And I'm hot. I just want to get home. You know? And, and, but it just reminded me, though, how this world can be. Here's a lady who definitely has just some, needs a little help. And she was so thankful. Thank you. I got to line. Thank you. I said, no, ma'am. I said, and I have kids, and I can't imagine, and not six. And, and I have kids, and what can, you know, and I just what. And it, and I just thought all these people could have helped her. All these people are standing up. And everybody just has around and looks. And Paul says, look, when you see a need, meet it. You see someone that's in trouble, help them. You see someone that needs something, help them. Don't become indifferent to their suffering. Have the caring attitude of compassion. He says, be kind. Be kind. Just, just be sweet like bear meat. This isn't in your notes. It's all under the category of caring. Just smile. Just, just, just smile. 
That's it. This isn't rocket science. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice this on the count of three. On the count of three, I'm going to want, and I want teeth, right? You have a full set of teeth. This isn't Arkansas. I need you to smile, okay? And and if you don't, I'm going to bring you to the front, and you can smile in front of the camera. So on the count of three, I want you to smile and look at your neighbor. One, two, three. Smile. Come on, show some teeth. Look at your neighbor. Look around. Okay, good, 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 right? Now, it didn't hurt, did it? Did it hurt? You're still living, right? You got a pulse. Everything's good. And even if you're ugly, you still look better than what you do. (laughs) It's amazing to me about a smile. Just smile. Hi, how are you? Just be sweet. Paul says, when you encounter one another, just smile. Be genuinely concerned. He says, operate with humility. Humility basically is the absence of pride and arrogance. Don't act like you're all that. Don't walk around like you have all that. Don't act like you have the corner market. Just care. Drop your title. Drop your pride. Drop your arrogance. Just be you and just with humility, care for one another. Be gentle. When he talks about being gentle, gentleness, you know what that means? It means be easy to get along with. This, again, this isn't rocket science. Just be easy to get along with. And this is, this, again, you know, in the, and again, he's not talking about in the world. He's talking about in the church. It's interesting to me that he's given these things. You know the reason why? Because sometimes we struggle with these things. Sometimes we struggle with being gentle with one another. And here's what's amazing to me. Most of the people that are leading on the weekend are volunteers. Only a, only a small fraction, only a very small percent, probably maybe uh, 1% of the people, 2% of the people on the weekends that are actually leading are paid. Most of the people that will direct you to where to go, they're volunteers on the parking lot, in the kids' areas. Ushers. And, and, and sometimes, and, and the people that are actually ushering in this service, that some of you have small kids and they're saying, would you please sit in this area? They're just simply doing what they've been asked to do. They're just trying to help. And Paul says, as people are trying to help each other, be gentle, be kind. It's amazing to me sometimes where people will blow up in a church, that go to the church on a volunteer. In the parking lot, or with an usher, or a greeter, or a kid's worker, and they'll just become enraged over something. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You better check yourself or you rickety-rickety-wreck yourself. You better bring it down and be gentle with one another. And I would tell you, the people that are serving, that you see them with a bat, say, hey, thank you. Because they're just like you. They're not being paid. They're just simply there to serve. They're help, there to help you park your car. I mean, I'm noticing as the church is growing and, and we're getting close, we're, we're becoming more and more frequent around that thousand mark, that there is fewer and fewer cars, room for cars in the parking lot. So the next step is going to be, hey, staff, we're going to be parking offsite at Pick and Save. And we'll be walking over and we'll be doing that. And before long, we'll have golf carts. That'll be fun. And we'll do all that kind of stuff. But, but because we want to make sure that we're serving each other and that we're being gentle to one, more, towards one another, that we're not preferring ourselves over each other. Care. Be patient. Be patient with each other, Paul says. Take time. Just understand, not everybody's at your pace. Some of you are runners in this room, and you, you have the ability to run. I'm talking about in your Christian walk. You're fast. You're there. You got it. You're clipping along. Some of you, you've been hurt. You've been crippled by some situation, and you're struggling right now. Some of you, you're just walkers. That's just your pace. You're just, that's your steady eddy pace. Some of you, you're, you're so new in Christ that you're just learning how to crawl. Paul says, look, wherever you are on that continuum, whether you're a runner or you're a crawler or you're anywhere in between, we need to be patient with one another. Patient with the pace. 
What does that mean practically? That means that not everybody that attends Life Church is saved. Not everybody that attends Life Church is at your level of spiritual uh, maturity, or so you think. And not everybody in your life group is that way. And there may be some colorful words that come up from time to time. And there may be some choice conversations. And there may be some things that happen that you go, well, bless God, I just don't believe that should be happening in the house of God. Well, you may not, but you need to be patient with those people because they're on this journey. We're all on this journey. And I got news for you, APB, nobody is perfect. You are not perfect. Yeah, you, the one that says, oh, yes, I am, bless God. No, you are not perfect. You think you are, but you are not. And Paul says, be patient. And it's interesting to me, these are things he's talking to them about. He's giving them strict instruction. And you would think these are just natural things that we do, but sometimes we forget the simple. Sometimes we forget the basic. He goes on to say to clothe yourself not just with caring but with forgiveness. That's the the next thing. To clothe yourself with forgiveness. Verse 13, he says this. Bear with each other. That means put up with. Sometimes that's all you can do with some people. Amen? Glory to God. Okay, put up with each other. And forgive whatever grievances. That word whatever in the original Greek means whatever. Whatever grievances that you may have with one another. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. I mean, he brings it to a whole nother level. He takes it, he ratchets it all the way up. And when you forgive and when you forbear, whatever, you need to do it the same way God did you. You've been shown grace and mercy. You need to also live in grace and mercy. And again, he's talking about clothing ourselves with caring. Clothing ourselves with forgiveness. Don't take the jacket of forgiveness off so you can fight. You know, like when you get into a fight, let me take my jacket off. And then we'll go in the parking lot and then we'll pull a full can out, right? You know, he said, no, 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 no. Don't take the jacket off, the jacket of forgiveness off and fight. Work it out. Sometimes working it out means just putting up with people. Have you figured it out? There's just some people that are just jacked up in this world. That's all, I don't know how else to explain it. That's my spiritual definition. They're just jacked up and they're messed up. And just because they go to church and just because they're a Christian doesn't mean that they're any better. I, I got reasons we all could sit around and talk all day long, but the reality is, is that that's just it. And so sometimes you just got to put up with things. Just be gentle, be kind, be humble, be compassionate, be patient. But, but if there are grievances, if there are issues, if, if, if Sally's mad at Susie, then Sally needs to go to Susie. Sally doesn't need to go to Barbara and talk to Barbara about her issue with Susie. Sally needs to go to Susie. And if Sally comes to Barbara, Barbara needs to say, Sally... Let's come talk to Susie. Oh, no, 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 no. I just want you to pray about this. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this. Susie, come here. And if Barbara will say to Susie, Susie, I want you to come here because Sally's got a problem with you, don't you, Sally? You've been telling me all day long about how your problem with, with, with Susie. Why don't the two of you work this out? I promise you, Barbara will get no more phone calls, conversations. Nobody will involve her in that situation. And it's always amazing to me that the same people know the same junk that goes on in a church. Well, they said, Pastor, I want you to know this is what these people are saying. I had one guy tell me, hey, I'm not the only person that feels this way. There's a lot of people that if you don't make some changes right here, I'm going to leave. And not only am I going to leave, but other people are going to leave. And I said, who are they? Well, I can't say. You know why I can't say? Because there is no they. And he left, and he's gone, and there is no they, because that's it. Because people have this way about them, if, we don't, if we're not careful, that we have these issues and we have these problems. And you're going to have issues. Get, get, this is a misnomer. People think that when they get saved that they leave their humanity behind. No, the behinds of people's humanity are probably more profound than any other time. 
Some of you will get that about 2 o'clock. But, but, but the, 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 real, the reality is this, is we're still people, and we're still going to have issues. And there's going to be times you're going to get upset with me. There may be times I get upset with you. There may be times you get upset with each other. That's just part of being human. That's just part of this. And, and don't become upset with that. Don't become all riled about that. Don't, if you could just tolerate, then just tolerate. And if you can't, then go to them and say, hey, we need to talk about this. Well, I'm just going to pray about it. Don't pray about it. The Bible doesn't say pray about it. The Bible says if you have aught with your brother, don't pray. It says go to that individual and talk to them and deal with it. And do it before the sun goes down. Make it immediate. Deal with the situation. Talk to them and just say, hey, you offended me. Hey, I need to work through this. Hey, it seems like maybe I've offended you. Can we walk through? Because we're, we're not perfect. We're not home yet. We're not in heaven. And, 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 and so Paul says, when you operate, you need to make sure that you operate with forgiveness and forgive each other and don't have division and don't murmur and don't backbite and don't complain. Those things just tear a church down, but simply just put up with and deal with the grievances and then forgive people the same way Christ forgave you. He goes on to say that you need to clothe yourself with love. Let's look at verse 14. Clothe yourself with love. And of over all these virtues, what virtues? Of caring, of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, uh, of patience, of forgiveness. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds all of these in perfect unity. And that, that word love is, is, is an awful big, big, big word. So if you want to turn over, if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn over to 1 Corinthians. It's just to the left, just a couple of pages uh, in your Bible. to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul, again, to the church in Corinth, he defines what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says this, verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't envy, love doesn't boast. Love is not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And we hear that and we read that and we go, great. And some of you right now, some of you crusty Christians, the elevator music of your mind is on because you've kind of checked off. Because you're kind of like, okay, I've heard this before. I used to love everybody, blah, 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 blah. Wow, wow, wow. Bueller, Bueller. I mean, it's just one of those moments. Let, let's spice it up a little bit. Let, let me let you understand what he means when he says we should love one another in Colossians. Let's put your name there. Let's, 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 let's put, John, I'm going to put your name here. And I'm not picking on you, but I'm just going to use this for a second. And, and, and you should put your name here if you're a Christ follower and ask, do you live up to this? Because this is what he's saying you should live up to. So if your name is John, here we go. John is patient. John is kind. John does not envy. John does not boast. John is not proud. John is not rude. John is not self-seeking. John is not easily angered. John keeps no record of wrongs. John does not delight in evil, but John always rejoices with the truth. John always protects. John always trusts. John always hopes. John always perseveres. John never fails. Woo, he just brought it up to a whole nother level. Yeah, the elevator music went off, didn't it? Because all of a sudden you're going, whoa, that's what he means. That's exactly what he means. That when we walk with one another in the local church, in the context of the church, that we should walk together in love and not how people treat us, but how we should be treating them. He goes on to say that the next thing we should clothe ourselves with is peace. Peace. Verse 15, I love this. I love this verse. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule in the original language means to umpire. It's like a referee. Let a referee call the foul foul. 
the fair, fair. Let the, let, let the peace of God that passes all understanding, let it umpire, let it rule, let it referee the church and your life. He tells, isn't it interesting that he has to tell us that we should have peace in the church? You know why? Because in and of ourselves, if we get off focus and we get off mission and we forget that we're here to seek and save that which is lost and we become a bunch of navel-gazing Christians that are just about kumbaya and taking care of ourselves and to hell with the world, all of a sudden, we begin to fight, we begin to murmur, we begin to complain, we begin to bicker, we begin to inbreed and infight, and we are not reproducing what God wants us to do. And there's no peace. And let me tell you something. When there is fighting in a church, when there's division in a church, when there's problems in the church like that over, over issues of lack of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love, the Holy Spirit is, he's gone. God the Father is gone. Jesus the Son, he's out of here. He's at Cracker Barrel eating biscuits and gravy. I'm telling you. Because he's like, you guys can fight all you want to. This is not what I died for. You get upset with each other all you want to. This isn't what I sent my son for. You can do all this you want to, but this is not what the local church is all about. It's about peace. And why is that so important? Because the people of this world, listen, they do not want to come to a church. They've got enough trouble on their own. They have enough unrest. They fight with their jobs. They fight with their employees. They fight with their bosses. They fight with their kids. They fight with their spouse. They fight with their neighborhood association. They fight with everything. The last person they want to fight with is the church. And so when there is a lack of peace in a church, people don't show up. Churches that have turmoil, they don't grow. But, but, but because what happens? The peace is gone. And when the peace is gone, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are out of there. Call it Ichabod. The Spirit of the Lord has departed. Make it as spiritual, unspiritual as you want to. But the reality is that's the problem. And Paul says, whatever you do, let the peace of God rule that church. Let the peace of God be in that church. Paul says, he says, as a Christ follower, as much as it depends upon me, I'm going to be at peace with all men. That means if I have the ability to make peace, even if I have to eat crow, I'll do it. If I have the ability to make peace with you, even if I've got to suck some things up, I'll do it. Why? Because I'm here for the greater good. I can be the better person. I, 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 I can get beyond this. I can forbear. I can put up with. I can deal with so that I can walk in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and caring and forgiveness and love and have peace. And some of you may go, wow, you're pretty upset. I mean, I'm like seeing you sweat and your little hairdo's getting messed up. And wow, is something going on? No. No. But I'm not a reactive leader. I'm a proactive leader. And I believe that when, we're, when we see it in the scripture, we don't pull back from it. We deal with it. And the reality is we don't deal with a lot of this in the church. We don't deal with a lot of people at the church. Because the reality is if I find out that John's got a problem with Sally, I'm going to go to John and Sally and I'm going to bring them together. And if I find out that John's got a problem with me, I'm going to go, ding dong. Hi, John. Yeah, I'm just making a visit today because I heard that you had an issue with me. Do you, no, 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 no. We, well, are you sure there's no anything? No, no, no. It's all good. It's all great. It's all fine. Uh, well, well, I just want to make sure everything's cool. If I've done something I want to apologize for. No, no, no. We don't deal with a lot of stuff because we deal with it. Just like Paul says, we forgive it. We have compassion. We have kindness. We have humility. We have gentleness. We have patience. We have love. And I, as a lead pastor, am going to make sure that we do everything we can to have peace. Because I'm telling you, if people just want to sit and soak and sour and fight, I'm going to be with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be at Cracker Barrel eating biscuits and gravy myself. There's not that. The reality is, is that there's a lot of peace here. 
That's the reason why people show up at church and they go, man, my life's been changed. Man, this has just happened. This is awesome. I, or I brought somebody to church this past week and they don't even believe in God. They don't know if they believe in God but, and, they, and they hate church, but they came to church and they just they love it. And they want to come back or, or you know what, or, 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 or I understood the Bible for the very first time or I never knew that's really what Jesus did. I, I, I get it. I understand it. It, it, was, it was relevant to my life. It was, it's because there's peace here. Sometimes people will leave the service and they'll be like, I'm crying and I can't stop and I don't know why. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the peace of God that changes your life. It's the reason why over 100 adults in the beginning of the year have accepted Jesus Christ at this church. Why? Because there's peace. It changes you. I'm not the hope of the world. You're not the hope of the world, but he is. But you and I together can present him, but we can't present him if we can't get along. I know I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but let's move right along. The next thing he says, we're to clothe ourselves in the word, the word of God. Verse 16a, he says this, let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That word dwell means to live in you or to be in you. And, and it's the same word that, that Revelation chapter 3 uses where Jesus Christ says, you know, I stand at the door of a, of a man's heart, a woman's heart, and I knock. And whoever opens the door and invites me to come in, I will come in and dwell, live, be in them. Where? In their heart. The word of God should dwell in us. John chapter 1 says that the word of God became flesh, that the word of God, God's word, became flesh, and that flesh is known as Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ lives in us, and he's in us. And that every time we come together, we should go back to what does the word say. Because honestly, you don't care what I think. You don't care what the denomination thinks. You don't care. I don't care what you think. We all care what the word thinks. And as long as we lean so heavily, so heavily on this book that if it were to move, we would fall, we'll be okay. Because the power that's in this word has a power to change your life. The power in this word has a power to change your marriage. The power in this word has the ability to give you the hope and the encouragement and the octane that you need to live in this world. The power of this word has the ability to, li- to lead and guide you into all wisdom, into every area of your life. Whether you're, whether you're leading a Fortune 500 company or, or, you're, or you're building air conditioners on a factory line. It doesn't matter where you are in any continuum on any set. The word of God has the ability to produce in your life every single day. That's just what we come back to it. It doesn't matter if I'm speaking or if we've got a staff person speaking or if we've got a guest speaker speaking. It's all about what does the word say? Because at the end of the day, this is what will change you. Not me. I'm just the messenger. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. But it's God's word. That's the reason why I encourage you every week to memorize the scripture. And again, whether you do it or not, it's up to you. But, but to memorize the scripture, this week is, is, is verse 12. I'm asking you to memorize Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Why? Because I want, you, I want the word of God to dwell in you, to be in you, to live in you, to reside in you richly. It's the reason why you, you take God's word and you begin to read it and you study it. Because you want the word of God to get in you. And the only way for it to get into you is for you to read it and for you to process it, for you to think about it. And as we come together as Christ followers, that's what we're called to do. He goes on and, and the next thing he says we should clothe ourselves with is worship. We should clothe ourselves with worship. Uh, and in uh, verse 16, the rest of it says, and as you sing, not if you sing or maybe you will sing, but as you sing, it's, it's a presumptuous statement. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts towards God. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts towards God. What's interesting here is that he gives us these three types of, of songs of worship. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
Paul does this a lot in his writings. He becomes kind of redundant or repetitive. And basically what he's communicating here is the how, what you're singing is not what's important. It's to whom you're singing that's important. It doesn't matter whether you're singing a psalm or a hymn or a spiritual song, whether you're singing out of a hymn or out of your heart or off the wall, whether, whether you're singing something from, from, from 2010 or something from 1810, it doesn't matter. The reality is, is are you singing to him with the gratitude of your heart? And so that's a reason why we do worship and service. It's not so you have time to drop your kids off, go to the bathroom, get a bulletin and get a seat and then we have the message. It's so that you and I have the opportunity because Paul tells us as we come together as a church that we should clothe ourselves in worship, that we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, not about the style, but about to whom we're singing, that we should worship God. Because when we begin to worship God, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And as the worship goes up, God's spirit comes down. And in that moment, in the presence of God, lives are changed, marriages are touched, uh, homes are, t- are healed. God begins to work in those moments. This is why it's so important. If you are a Christ follower, for you to, the Bible says, a clap unto God. So when we begin to clap, it's not because we're just doing something to keep rhythm, although some of us have a hard time doing that. I watch and see. But it's because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Now, again, if I take you to an NFC championship game where the Packers are playing, if your mode of sitting in the stands is like this, or like this, or like this, that's fine. Then just be that way. That's cool. Because posture is not important. (laughs) But if you are like, wow, and mean, you are like crazy taking your shirt off with a big Packer gold and green on your chest, and then... You might need to bring a little bit more to service. You know what I'm saying? To the one that saved your soul? Just a thought. Just a thought. And, 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 and that's the reason why I don't judge other people that may be more demonstrative or expressive in their worship than you are. Because, again, they're worshiping him with spirit and truth. They're not judging you for doing this. You don't judge them for doing this. However you worship him, you should worship him passionately. This is a command. This is what we're doing. It's not to fill time. It's not to, 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 to give these guys up on the platform something to do. It's not to elevate. It's simply to elevate Jesus Christ and his power in our life. And I'll encourage you, the next time you're at church, the next time there's worship, even if you don't like it, even if you're a spiritual song person and there's psalms going on, or maybe you're a hymn person and there's a spiritual song going on and it's not your genre. Because music is funny to me. Because it takes us to places. I mean, it connects with our soul. It doesn't matter. And we all have songs. And if we did all the songs that I liked every week, you wouldn't like them. Because I liked some of the old, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my soul were rolled away. Oh, oh what glory, oh, what, oh, what glory, hallelujah, on that happy morning when we all shall rise. I mean, I do page number 44, 244, 144 in the hymns of glorious praise. They're my favorite ones, Blessed Assurance, page 51. I love it. Take me back. This past week, man, I've been rocking out to some 80s rock. Remember the hairband stuff, the wow, wow, right with Fender Strats? And my daughter is in the car going, oh, my goodness, Dad. You're so embarrassing me. And I'm like, no. I said, I was in a band with a mullet and slits in my hair with a members only jacket and parachute pants with Adidas with fatty laces. Come on. Can I get a witness in the house? Right? There's just something about a Yamaha DX7 that just transports my soul. It's where I grew up. Some of y'all feeling that too, aren't you? Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So anyhow... I'm not talking about gospel music, but anyhow, 
I'm just saying to you, worship him, however, but worship him. And the last thing he says is verse 17. He said, we are to serve. We're to serve. And whatever you do, whether it's in word, what you say, or in deed, your actions, do it all. That word all in the original language means all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever service that you do in the world, whatever you do, whether it's a random act of kindness, whether it's missions around the world, whether it's a neighborhood outreach, whether you're serving in the Germantown for the July parade, whether you're serving in some committee or some deal and you're doing as unto the Lord, whether you're serving in the inner city of Milwaukee, whatever you do, this, remember, this is why we exist. We exist to serve. We don't exist to serve ourselves. It's, it's interesting to me that he doesn't allow us just to become a bunch of navel-gazing kumbaya Christians. A bless me club. He says, no, 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 no. The reason, catch this, the reason why you're caring and you're compassionate and you're kind and you're humble and you're gentle and you're patient, you're forgiving, you're loving, you're peaceful, you're walking in the word and you're worshiping God, it's so that you can serve. Because if you can't do it in the context of here, you'll never be able to do it out there. If you cannot serve each other, you won't be able to serve the world. If you can't care for each other, you'll never care for the world. If you can't be humble to each other, you'll never be humble to the world. If you can't be gentle to one another, you'll never be gentle to the world. If you can't be patient with each other, you'll never be able to put up with what the world puts up with. If you can't operate in peace here, then the world doesn't want to have what you have. And if you can't forgive, then they're not going to forgive you. If you don't have love, then what do you have? And the only way you're going to have is walking in the word, walking in worship, and taking what you have to a lost and dying world. Because we don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist for other Christ followers. We don't exist to have Christian programming and Christian this and Christian that. We exist, the local church exists, to lift high the name of Jesus for people that have yet to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because where were you without somebody telling you? Where were you when you were dead in your sins? Where were you when you were lost? Where were you when you were outtrodden? You go, well, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Well, praise God. But somewhere along the way, somebody told your mother or your daddy or your greasy granny. Somebody told somebody in your family about Jesus. And when they did, the light turned on and you were blessed to be raised in a Christian home. But many of you in this room, this is the first time. You're a first generation Christian. And you thank God for a church that says we're about reaching lost people. You thank God for a church that says we're going to do things in such a way that everybody can understand it. Not just the saved, not just the spiritually mature, but people who are lost. You thank God for a church who does that. And that's what God's called us here to do, here to serve. And you go, well, you know, when's it ever going to be enough for you, Aaron? When's it ever going to be whatever? The Bible says that God gives the increase. I don't give the increase. I don't control the increase. For some reason, God keeps like waking people up in the morning going, hey, you should go to Life Church. Hey, this is where. Because here's what happens. This is what I believe. The heart of God, the Bible tells us that the heart of God is this. Not willing that any should perish. That's the heartbeat of God. Not willing that any should perish. And this morning, God looks over his children, the saved and the unsaved, the found and the lost. They're all still his. If you've ever been a parent, you've had a prodigal son or daughter who's walked away from the family or from the faith. You know what I'm talking about. You love them just as much as you love the one that's in the fold. And God says, where shall I send them? I'm going to send them where I can trust. I'm going to send them to a place where I know there's going to be peace. I'm going to send them a place where I know the word is going to be taught. 
I'm going to send them to a place where I know worship, true worship unto me. Not about psalms, spiritual hymns, or heavenly songs, but about worship truly to me. I'm going to send them to a place where there's compassion and there's humility and there's gentleness and there's kindness with one another. I'm going to send them to a place where it's filled full of love. I'm going to send them to Life Church. And every week, they come. And people walk through those doors, hurting, broken. I don't care whether they pull up in a $60,000 luxury car or not. We're still people. And we're broken and we're hurting. Looking for answers. Looking for hope. And there's something different about the music. There's something different about the atmosphere of the room. The word of God is open and the word of God begins to go right to the core of who they are. I can't tell you how many people have said, man, it was like you were preaching right at me. It was like you were speaking right to me. It was like you were in my living room this week reading my mail. That's not me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And once again, a lost son or daughter comes home and heaven rejoices and throws a party and you and I get to be a part of it. Is that not stinking cool or what? Serve. Why? Because we're walking in love and in peace and in unity and we're caring. Father, I just thank you today.